0: Welcome to another episode of the Sheep Dogs Podcast. Uh, here we have a awesome guest, Father Waltz. Father Waltz, thank you for coming on today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so um, we actually found out about you through, <coughs> I'm sure you a lot of people have heard about you through your vocation story uh, on YouTube. And uh, usually my friend Michael is here with us, but he's working his internship this summer. <laughs> but he was the one who found out about you and uh, we're thankful for you coming on today. And so we have a few questions actually about that vocation story to start off because some crazy things happened there that we're like, no way. Um, but before we get started, usually we have Father Jacob here to lead some prayer. Would you mind opening us up in a prayer?
1: Yeah, for sure. And Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Jesus, we ask for the gift of your spirit to guide us and give us wisdom to bless our conversation, to especially bless those who might listen to this or watch these videos. And they may be brought deeper into conversion deeper into love with you who is the greatest desire of our lives we ask this the intercession of our mother mary as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus amen. holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death amen. the father and the son and the holy spirit amen, amen.
0: again and uh so yeah i think uh many people who probably know you have heard your story but for those who haven't we're gonna put the link in our description here but um we we heard that you you might have met saint michael the archangel well in barcelona and we just wanted to know like what well i mean was there any more details there that you didn't share in that story that like maybe you could tell us about
1: yeah i mean i not really I, i I mean, that's my own personal opinion that uh, it was St. Michael the Archangel, but <clears throat> I, yeah, it was a wild, wild experience. I didn't, I I didn't, I was at my wits end. <clears throat> I had no money. I didn't know where my mom was at the time. I was 18 years old. I had already been like on a, you know, a three day debacle with trains and you know cross-dressers and hookers and <laughs> it's it's i swear it's all true too like people have <laughs> asked me before if it's true it's all true but and then i got you know i was there and i had no money and i had nothing and yeah and it's just this big this big black guy like just we were while i was watching soccer because i remember the world cup was going on at that time and uh there is actually a little a little detail little left out so <clears throat> when i was you know you can this is now. I call this BC, right? This is before conversion. And so I was, I was a bit of a a moron. And uh, when I was in high school and I, you know, I was 18. So I thought I was this, you know, big dog over in Europe and I could do whatever I wanted. And so when I was coming into Barcelona, I was, I I was on this train uh, with these guys and they were, they were from, I think they were from Sweden, but I remember I was like on the, on the train and and sitting in one of these cars that have you know like six spots or whatever and I'm the only guy in there and I I remember I had this jersey on it because I was a big Germany fan at the time and so I had had the German national team on because the World Cup was going on and the first the first game was being played and these guys get on (laughs) on the train and I hear this you know like I'm I'm a big soccer player I played soccer all my life and and uh so I heard this, you know, like that. Oh, and I was outside the train. I like look out. I'm in, like, I open the door and look in the hallway, and these guys are coming at me. No shirts, you know, face painted, you know, three bottles of booze in each hand, the Swedish flag hanging over, and they, they, and I'm like, oh man, are they like staying in my, my cabin, you know? And I like, shut the door, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> All of a sudden, the door like flies open, and they're like, Aah! you know, and so. I'm sitting there with these guys and they're like, they're like, Oh man, you're from Germany. I'm like, no, I'm from America. And they're like, so why don't you wear an American Jersey? Like you support your country. And I'm like, well, our country sucks at soccer. So <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Germany fan. And like, anyway, they made me take the shirt off. So I'm sitting there without a shirt on like, <laughs> with these, these six guys, these five guys. And then they were like, so we had, and then they were like, well, you want a drink? And so like, I'm drinking with these guys, partying with them. And that's how I arrived into Barcelona. So like when I came to Barcelona, I had had a couple drinks and, uh, and came into the city. And that's why I was just so, I had, I had no bearings. I had no, I had no money. And, and I had a few drinks in me. So it turned out, and that's when I just got lost. You know, I got lost in the city and I had my Let's Go Spain book. And that did me no good. And uh, eventually landed in this, you know, this little bar restaurant watching the game. And then, yeah, this guy came up to me and, and uh, paid for my meal. And, <clears throat> and we kind of talked for a little bit. And then I took off and was walking. And you'll hear, you know, in the story, he kind of saves my life uh, in Barcelona. And then the, the strangest part of it, though, is when, like, two weeks later, when I was in Madrid, and it's a city of, I don't know, whatever, like 3 million, 5 million, something like that. And I'm walking down a street and I cross paths with this, you know, this enormous black man. And and I'm, I am like turn around, I'm like, dude, like, he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, you know, I was like, I was just traveling around Spain. And I'm like, so am I, you know, like what are the odds that we from Barcelona to Madrid and I meet this guy and yeah. And then we had lunch together and I went to introduce him to my mom and he's gone. So. It was wild. It was a wild. That, it was a wild experience.
0: That is wild, and I, I, yeah, I just recently watched Father Stu with Sam, and I. <laughs> I went to go see that movie. I don't know if you oh yeah, I, great. I thought it was a great movie, and there was a scene in there where he was at the bar uh, with this guy who was kind right. of looking. And if you weren't Catholic, you probably wouldn't have guessed he was his guardian angel. But I kind of right. picked up on that, and I, I've kind of heard that guardian angels sometimes can have an influence on vocations. And so, yeah, I mean that maybe. Did you ever think it could have been your own guardian angel? Maybe his name was Michael instead of Michael? Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I just – because it was because it was Michael, uh, yeah, I, I just, like, maybe – I don't know. I don't know. I always had this this image of my guardian angel. His, his name was – it was actually kind of crazy because I was praying over it one time when I was on a retreat, and it was kind of revealed to me as uh, – it was Dominic. And I told my mom, I'm like, yeah, you know, I just – I feel like my – my guardian angel's name is Dominic. She's like, well, that's a weird, my, your dad and I were going to name you before you were born and gave you the name Joshua. I had no idea. I didn't know that. <clears throat> so that was kind of cool too, but they always say pre-skit too. Uh, Cause we get attacked more, which I truly believe. <laughs> so yeah, maybe Michael was my backup. I don't know. Wow. And
0: so I know you, you've mentioned your mom a lot. I've, I, we've listened to a lot of your talks and you, you speak the world of her. I was wondering if you could just, tell us a little bit about her and like why she was such a
1: great influence in your life. I, uh, she was just, I don't know. I mean, she was just a saint, you know, she came from a line of saints. So, so the Walt the Walt side, my dad's side is just, uh, you know, loaded with sinners, and the, the, the Krause side, which is my mom's side is just loaded with saints. All of them were in, and her dad, my grandpa was like one of the best men I've, I knew. And, you know, I was little when he died and, uh, but he had a he had a major influence on me and then yeah my mom just I, she just wouldn't let me get away with anything you know like she's just she's like four nine this little tiny lady and she just commanded so much dang respect i mean she taught at mandan high school here in in mandan and uh like she, I, there were these big football players who were just terrified of her like and not like you know not like like she was mean, they just, they had this, it, w- it was really like this, not like servile respect. Like if I don't respect her, she's gonna send me to the office. It was like this filial respect. Like they didn't wanna, they didn't wanna make her mad because they, they respected her so much and loved her a, a great deal. She was really, she was I, in my, I, I don't know if this is true. I think it's true. She was the only teacher at Mandan High School that was ever nominated for the, the crystal apple um, by her students. So normally you're, you're nominated by peop, you know, teachers or colleagues. They, the, but her students actually nominated her, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, she just commanded a great deal of respect. She didn't let me get away with anything. I mean, I like even when I had, I, I you know, like when I'd have dates, I'd have girls over, and like i always, I'm like trying to watch a movie in my room, you know, because I had like a, a little couch in my room, and and she would just sit outside. She had the door just cracked. And you just see this eye like, you know, looking through and she's you hear the clink of the rosary beads, you know, she just, yeah, she just didn't let me get away with anything. I, I, I come home, you know, when I was in college, too, like, I come home like three, four in the morning, she's just sitting on the couch with the rosary waiting for me. And uh, just to make sure I got home safe. She always, she always said, she's like, you know, if you're ever out and you're, you know, you're partying or whatever, she's like, don't drive, always just call. She's like, I just want you to be safe. And she, numerous times, I call her, she come pick, she pick up all of us. We had like freaking 10 guys in the, this little Honda Civic laying on top of each other. I mean, one time we got pulled over and the cop is like, this is totally illegal, you know? And, and she's like, and she's just this little old lady, you know, she's like, well, I'm trying to get these boys home safe, you know? And the, the cop's like, well, I can't argue with that. So, you know, so, but she was just, um uh, Yeah she was, she was the rock of, of my life. She was, and that's, you know, she passed away in 2020 and yeah, it just left a, just an indescribable hole in my heart. And, uh, and it will never be filled. I don't think, you know, I mean, the Lord has healed it for sure. It took a long time and it was really dark for a while, but, uh, but it, yeah, it's just, it's just great. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Vikings,
2: <clears throat>
1: but uh, mm-hmm. I I watched that. I kind of binge watched that during COVID <clears throat> and then it, it's not always so you know friendly to the church, but there's this, there's this great line in there when he, when the big guy Bjorn, he loses his mother and he comes up and he's like, they're like Bjorn, you know, your mother. And he's like, I know she's dead and nothing in my life will ever be the same again. And I like when I, I mean, I like broke down. <laughs> when I was, I'm watching that alone on quarantine, you know, and and uh, but it was so true, it's so true, like, and and you can't explain it to anybody uh, until you go through it when you really love lose somebody that you're that close to. Um, but God's been good, you know. He's I, we've gotten my brother and I gotten an overwhelming signs. Mom is safe, she's you know, we ushered, she ushered us into this world and gave us the faith, and we ushered her out the door and, and closed the gates behind her, you know. So, yeah, wow. Yeah.
0: And I that's thank, thank you for sharing all that. And uh, I think you said your brother's also a priest. Yeah. So you have two two priests in the family. That's pretty awesome.
1: Two two priests, and we're the only two kids. <clears throat> so which I was I was on a plane one time. I was a vocation director. I was traveling around talking. I always talk to people, and this this guy is like sitting next to me. He's like he's like wait you're you're a priest, and your brother's a priest. I'm like yeah. And there's only you know we're the only two in the family. He's like like the only two boys. I'm like no, like the only two kids he's like, man, he's like, you got a better chance of like being in the NBA than being two brothers that are pre- It's probably true too. Like, you know, by the numbers. So, uh, but it's been a huge blessing. I'm actually going up uh, after this, I'm going up to Minot. My brother's getting moved. He was, he'd been there for 14 years, all of his priesthood, you know, he's done amazing things up there. And so they're doing a big going away party and I'm going to toast them tonight at the, at the, at the party, so nice. it would be sad. I'll probably break down
0: because yeah. I would,
1: I spent so much time up there. Because we're so close that you know it's kind of like saying goodbye to. and uh, they're a part of me too, you know, because we're we're so close. Yeah. So. Wow,
0: and I know, like North Dakota. I mean, there's not there's not much many people up there. I've, I I I've only oh. been there like once or twice, but I've got <clears> probably like a smaller community. It seems like.
1: Yeah, no, I just, yeah. I mean, the, the I don't know Bismarck, Mandan is probably the biggest at like 120,000 everything is under that, you know? So, I mean, there's like 600,000 people in the whole state. So (laughs) I mean, like most big cities are much bigger than that. So We love it up here though. Wow. By the way, I also have to, I have to say, I'm not just so everybody knows I'm not drinking beer. Cause like my, my students always at the school, they're always like, you can't drink beer. I'm not, not drinking beer. The stuff, it's called hop water. So it's, it's water that's brewed with hops. There's no alcohol. (laughs) I just like hops, right? So, we're gonna have to try. Want to get
0: it Oh, North Dakota special or something?
1: I don't know where. I think it comes from. Yeah, it's Colorado. You know, all the microbrews are coming out of Colorado, and these are like, I don't know, non-alcoholic, but they still taste like a light IPA. Nice. But
2: and that's not why I drink. I just I just like the (laughs) flavor, you know. Like, no, it's good. It's good. So in your vocation story, the two things that you said you always did consistently, which allowed God to continue to work in your life was go to confession and go to mass. And you always did those things consistently. Do you think that people out there who are searching, even if they don't know it for their vocation without going to mass and without going to confession, do you think those people are given just as much of an opportunity to find out what they were made for?
1: <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. Um, you
2: know, I always go by that.
1: One of my favorite theological principles um, is god binds himself to the sacraments he's not bound by the sacraments <clears throat> so you know if you're, if you're staying in in the in the confines of the church he's going to be there you know like he promises he'll be there through the sacraments if you're outside of that he can work outside of that um and i i mean i think i'm a testament to that too sure i was in the church but i was not like <laughs> i was like not living a model you know, Christian disciple, you know, life. I mean, I was, but that was kind of my anchor that, that held me there. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think God can do whatever he wants. You know, he's got, you know, from anywhere from, you got the the big conversions of, you know, St. Paul who was, you know, religious, but going the complete opposite direction. And then, you know, you got people like, I don't know. I got, I got a couple of friends who are priests that completely fell away from the faith. You know, they weren't doing anything and they just had these, these moments that, that brought him back. But anybody that I just I just tell people like, if you can stay, if, no matter how bad it gets, if you can just stay in the mass and with confession, like God will get his way in the end. I'm convinced that I've done like I've been watching numerous people's lives and how that works. And those that are in the church living a crazy, you know, nuts life, and those that are outside the church living a crazy life, the ones in the church. It's almost a hundred percent. They eventually come back. These ones, you know, it's it's a little sketchy. Some do, some don't. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Anybody watching,
2: just stay there. <laughs> I look at my own life and just how blessed and lucky I am to have a good anchor in my family too. Cause you talk about right. your mom was such a great anchor for you <clears throat> in your faith. And I wonder about all these different people who aren't seemingly given as many opportunities <clears throat> to be led to the truth as I am. But mm-hmm. do you think in those lives, do you think that the majority of people don't ever come to realize what they were actually made for? And that most people just live and die without actually fulfilling their vocation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was, it was Leon Bloy said the only real tragedy in this world is not to become a saint because that's what you were created to be. <clears throat> and I think that. Probably through you know, and I, I, it's probably not through any fault of their own, you know a lot of a lot of the generation that's growing up now just has they have no exposure to it. Um, and so I think what that does is it, it probably causes us to double down on on our efforts of evangelization to go out and save as many as we can, because I don't know if you know Father John Ricardo he's from Michigan, <clears throat> uh, great dude, incredible preacher, but he he had this line in a podcast I was listened to from him. he said, "Those who have been rescued." rescue and uh, I think it's a great line you know if you understand what you've been saved from you go out uh, to save others and I think so that that kind of heightens our call uh, for evangelization and and being bold in the proclamation of it but again I mean God God can do whatever he wants you know I think that you know even my my own family you know we had we didn't have like the model Christian family yeah my mom was a saint Uh, my dad it's actually Actually, kind of a cool story if you guys got time. But like, so my my dad, like he so my grandpa remember was like this saint, right? So my dad, his dad was a terrible man. Like I I my only memory of my grandpa on my dad's side was like he was a, a raging alcoholic. Uh he was physically, verbally abusive. Uh not to me, but you know, to, to the other part of the people in the family. <clears throat> my only memory is like he came up to me, he's like, hey. He's like, granddad's got something for you. He's like, I got a little, a little, a little gift. If you go and get me a beer, and I came up to him and he like opens his hand. He's like, nothing. You little bastard, get out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, that is my only memory <laughs> of that man. Okay, so my, but my mom's dad was like, I mean, I remember when he died, and I was this little boy. I'm sitting next to my grandma, and the whole town showed up. Now, Mitchie, North Dakota. There's only 400 people in the town, but the whole town showed up, and like. I just remember this as a little kid, just one after another, they just, you know, they came up and they said, Hey, my, my grandpa's name was Florian and they were like, Mary, you didn't know this, but when John lost his job, Florian gave us $10 every month so that we could pay the bills. And then next one would come up. Hey, Mary, you didn't know this, but Florian, you know, helped Larry get his job when at a, at the bank when he lost his job and we had nowhere to turn and next one, next one it is was, was unbelievable. And, uh, and so my dad, like I think my dad really kind of fell in love with my mom, but also her dad, because he never had a dad. Mm-hmm. and when my grandpa died so early, uh, it really rocked him and uh, and for me now I get it with, with my mom's death, like it, it'll it rocks your world and uh, and my dad kind of went off the rails and uh, could, you know quit living his faith, he <clears throat> just kind of disappeared he was working out of town all the time and eventually by the time we got to college he had had an affair and had moved out divorced my mom and like my brother and I were so I just remember just rage you know just just rage because my mom is like so sweet it's such a beautiful soul like how could you do that to her well anyway fast forward about I don't know about 10 years and we're in seminary at this point I call I told my brother I'm like we got to go we got to go we got to help dad and he's like, you know, the hell with dad. You know, he, he left us, Bob. Blah, blah. I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, we need, to go, we need to go talk to him. So jumped in the car. He was living in Sioux Falls at the time. Went down to Sioux Falls. And he, prior to this, he applied for an annulment. So my dad still kind of believed because he's applying for an annulment. And he didn't get it, uh, which was huge. It was huge for my brother and I because we're in seminary at this point. So we drive down, we're like, look, dad. Here's the deal. It was a half hour meeting. We drove six hours for a half hour meeting. Sat down with them. We're like, "Here's the deal. Uh, either you come home, or you're never gonna see us again. Like you make the choice. Like you got. You, we'll give you. We'll welcome you back. I talked to mom. Mom said you can come back home. You got to live in the basement, and you got to pay rent. <laughs> but but you can come home. You know. So like that was the deal. My mom kind of came up with. she's she wanted to forgive. You know. But it it was killing her. And uh, so I said, you make the choice. So my brother and I jumped in the car and we left and got home. And I don't know, about two months later, he showed up. And uh, he had left everything and uh, was back. And, and I can't, he was sitting at the, the table. And I'm like, why would you come back? And he's like, he's like, two reasons. He's like, number one, uh, because I, I thought I was never married to your mom. But the church said I was. And I have screwed up so many lives by not listening to that, that I'm done trying to do my thing. And I want to do what God wants. And the second thing he said, he said, your mom's going to get really sick. She's like, she's already in bad health and somebody's going to need to take care of her. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, okay. uh, You're going to take care of her. You know, like you haven't been here. And all of a sudden you're just going to change, you know? Um, But that's what happened. Mom got sick. Mom got really sick. And it happened really fast. And without my dad, there is like no way. Uh, we would have been able to take care of her and he did everything, man. Like I, it was heroic. It was, it was like, I have never seen a man like, I don't want to say like pay his dues. I'm not like a Pelagian, you know, like we earn our salvation, but like really undo what he had done. <clears throat> and uh, a week before my mom died, I was sitting at the kitchen table. And uh, she's sitting there and she looks over and my dad's name is Herb. Good German name, you know, Herbie. And she's like, she's like, Herbie, I never thought I'd say this again in my life, but I love you. And um, a week later, she died. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, you want to talk about God, like, it's, it's, we just have to choose it. Like, and we sometimes need people to say the hard thing to get us to that place that we'll make the choice. You know, like that, that meeting with my dad was awful, but I had to say something. I can't just let him keep living the way he's living because I know it's not right. And he knows it's not right. And, uh, and that was enough. And, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful, just a beautiful story of redemption. Uh, but it was a choice he made, you know, he, he definitely made it.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, thank you for sharing that really. And, uh, I think kind of going back to like, we mentioned father Stu earlier, we Sam yeah. and I were joking. Cause there's that prison scene where one of the priests right. up and starts talking and I feel like that priest, uh, I'm not a priest, but that guy, when I'm trying to preach sometimes, it's like, dude, like no one's relating to you right now. And then right. just sits down he's like, yeah, who are you going to call, man? And it's like, oh man, everyone gets to. So like, I guess, do you have any like advice for like, how, how do we just have those tough conversations? And like, how can, I think you, you mentioned authenticity a lot when you talk about the importance of being authentic when you're you know, talking to people like, how can we like lean into that authenticity and uh, kind of just, yeah, just be real instead of like maybe talking about like the love of God or like these things that are like take it from up here and make it really tangible to like where where people
1: are, meet them where they're at. I mean, part of it is like you said, meet them where they're at. Like you can't, you know, you know, Pope Francis said a, he said a lot of things, <laughs> but, but but one of the things that I I do. Uh, like that, he says, it was, I can't remember like the exact quote, but he's like, he's like, he, and, and it blew up. Like people got so angry about it, but he said, you, you can't come in and just start preaching law, right? And morals. Like you have to preach the charisma. You have to preach like the love of God first, because people have to understand that they're loved. Once they understand that they're loved, then they're going to like ascend to what the lover is asking of them. You know, like when somebody falls in love, you, you like if i fall in love with well i'm not gonna you guys fall in love with a girl like (laughs) if you're really in love with her you're gonna do what she asks you right and vice versa and so i think that that's a really good like starting point is you have to meet them where they're at and you can't just come at them and be like dude you know you're doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong like they're they're out they're gone you know like for me it's i just i just sit down and have a beer with somebody i'm like you know I'll, i'll say that to these guys like the wife is coming to mass and the husband's not, and I'll catch him at like maybe a party or something, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, John, you haven't been in mass. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I they got all types of excuses. And I'm like, like, tell you what, how about we just have a beer and chat? I was like, I'd love to come out. I'll even cook for you if you want. Cause I'm a, I, I love to cook. Like, I'll cook for you and your wife. We'll sit on the deck, we'll have some drinks and, and just, I just want to meet you, dude. I like, I don't even know really who you are. I, you know, I've heard from your wife. And I have seen so many things happen just through that. Like that's how conversion happens. It happens by discipleship. Like you slowly bring somebody into the into the flock or into the fold. Like you don't don't go out there and just, you know, pound on your whatever, on your podium, and tell people how terrible they are. And then they're just magically gonna feel so crappy about themselves that they're gonna change. Like they already feel crappy about themselves. Like they need the good news that even though they feel like that there's still love and that and they can change like i just feel like so many people have no hope right now and it i mean as the world goes the way of the world you're getting less and less hope because there's just I, there's there's no savior i mean I, i'm i'm fully convinced that's why like the marvel and dc movies are out of control like there's so many of them and it's partially because we have no imagination anymore like we don't we can't think big because we don't we don't desire big but the second reason is because people like the the media will mirror the culture and what the culture is crying out for right now is the savior and dc and marvel portrays these different types of savior, you know spider-man and batman like but what we really want is salvation not from like the evils of the world we want salvation from ourselves like and our own struggle, we want to know that it's going to be okay, and only only Jesus can bring that. I mean, that's why He says He's like the peace. You know, peace I leave you, the peace I give you, and the world can't give it. Only I can, and uh, and that's why, yeah, that's and so I think that the biggest touch point though is just meeting people where they're at, being honest with them, uh, but first getting to know them,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know. And once you know them, then yeah, then you can call them out a little bit because they trust you and they. They're like, yeah, I, I like this guy. Like, I I can follow this guy. I can I can hang with this guy.
0: No, I like that. And and that that reminded me. This is one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, that reminded me of John Paul II because I've heard of how he he kind of just walked with people. There was uh there was this family in Poland that apparently he was as a, when he was a parish priest he was with, and then even when he was w- as a pope, like he would still meet with them and just like never lo- lost that kind of relationship with that family. Um, could you talk about, I mean, you said you met John Paul II and you felt like you were floating when you met him. I don't know if you remember saying that, but, uh, could you just, uh, this was a question Michael actually had for you. Like how has, um, St. John Paul II affected your priesthood and like, like, uh, Mm. meeting him and all that?
1: Well, I'll hold on a little cause I'll show you. (laughs) So that's me at 18. Well. as a total loser meaning <laughs> one of the greatest men of all time <laughs> so uh what's kind of actually i'm going to show you i'm going to show you three pictures and then i'll answer your question that's okay. the first one okay <clears throat> this is the second one that's me in seminary and that's when john paul was getting pretty old you know and and uh that's yeah that was that was a huge moment so i say this is when he laid hands on me he didn't ordain me then but he (laughs) laid hands on me and then the final one is i was over for his uh canonization and i got to lay hands on him wow so that's his that's his coffin in saint peter's basilica so Yeah, the guy is like, he was a huge part of my life. And I I don't know how many people know this, but my my middle name is Carol. So John Paul II, which is like freaking awesome now. But growing up with that was terrible. Like, (laughs) I mean, because nobody knows Carol. Nobody knows that it's John Paul the Great. Nobody knows that, you know, it's K-A-R-O-L. And it, you know, I was like sitting there and they're like, you got a girl's name. And I'm like, no, it's Charles. It's Charles, you know, like, so, but being the, I had no idea, like for a while that I was named after him. And then, you know, me, I'd probably met him like four or five times. I, yeah, I just, and I felt a deep connection to the man. And then learning later on that I was named after him <clears throat> was awesome. Like it was the, it was so cool. And yeah, I just, I love the fact that he just went out, you know, and he, he just never stopped until, he, he taught until the day he died. I mean, even when he was, you know, with the, when he did the feeding tube and, and the whole Terry Schiavo thing was going on, you know, like still, still like clinging with all of his might to the dignity of the human person and that that dignity can't be taken away no matter what your condition is. Mm. And, uh, and that we have to go out and like, yeah, like right now, I mean, the dignity of the human person is. Almost zero, you know. I mean, it's, and it's killing people, you know, both through mental illness and, and drug addiction and, and broken families and abortion. And I mean, it really is the culture of death. Um, but he was just just this bright, shining light in the middle of this dark culture, and just by loving G—I Je- mean, literally by loving Jesus and Mary—and preaching that, like, he changed the world. And, and I think that it's a real simple recipe. <laughs> it, it's hard to live, um, but just, just reckless reckless trust in what Jesus can do. I mean, that's what led him to, to Poland, to crush communism, you know? It was, it was just unleashing in people's hearts the hope uh, that they, of who they are. And then nobody can take that away from you. And that, I mean, he was, I, I had this homily one time, I don't know if I made it, like, I have very few things that are original, but I can't, I was like preaching. I was preaching on John Paul II. And I'm like, you guys, like he is the Pope of hope. And I'm like, that was, that was good. I'm like, he's the, he's the Pope. I mean, cause he is like, he gave so much hope to people and in his own life, like he just, it's a wild, I mean, he's just got a wild story too, you know? And like how he just stayed true to Jesus all the way to the end. Like I just pray for that, you know, day in and day out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You talk about him just like loving Jesus and Mary and how like he, he was able to operate out of that place. And I've heard you talk about before, like the importance of an interior life. If you're going to be like sharing like the gospel of life, really, could you like lean in a little bit more on that? Like why, why is the interior life so important? And like, how can we become more convicted of the fact that like, actually we need God, we need the love
1: of Jesus before we can go and change the world? Yeah, I mean, without – so, like, I, I try to pray. I don't, I don't try. I do pray a holy hour every day um, on Saturdays, sometimes, like, more during Lent, sometimes more. But my, my big hero, you know, besides John Paul II, is Archbishop Sheen. And, and Fulton Sheen spoke extensively on the holy hour. Like, I think that that's his – he could be a doctor of the church just based on that. Like, I don't know if anybody else was doing that prior to him. He's the only one I've ever really heard talk about the holy hour. Um, but that has revolutionized my life. I am convinced if I, I mean, if I stopped praying, I, I don't, I wouldn't be a priest in six months. Like, it's, I really believe that. And, uh, and I heard, uh, I remember who it was, some, I, I mean, it was some podcast. He said, there was this old priest and this guy asked me, he said, when did, when did you choose to become a priest? And the guy looked down and he said, this morning. And, you know, I, I think that that's like we have to choose it every single day and we have to choose the interior life every single day. And the more you choose it, I think the more you're going to see that you really don't control anything and God is in control, um, even though sometimes that's so hard to see. And like, and like when my mom died, like I just I had nowhere else to go. I just went, <laughs> just went to the chapel and just I, I'm like, Lord, I'm sitting here until you fix it. Like you got to heal something that's broken inside of me. Cause I can't, I, I mean, during those days, I couldn't, I couldn't function. Like I was, it hurt so bad. And uh, yeah. And eventually he just slowly, slowly heals. And, uh, and you begin. And the more you spend, the more time you spend on the interior life, the more you see the necessity of it. And without it, like, that was it. The psalmist says, you know, if you build, you know, those who build without the Lord build in vain. And I truly believe that like, if you're not, if you have no interior life, whatever you're building will eventually come back on you and it will become all pride. Um, but if Jesus is in control, then it all becomes about him. And when you look back at it, you're like, there's no way this could have happened except if he did it. Like it's (laughs) because there's so much crazy stuff that happened along the way. You know, I've been experiencing that here with my, the, the parish I got assigned to because the school was dying. And, uh, we just, we flipped it to a Montessori, uh, style education. <clears throat> and, uh, it's been a wild ride, but like God has done so much. Like here's just one example, like I'm, we came up, we were like $50,000 shortfall. Right. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, my, my business manager is like, we're 50,000 in the red. And I'm like, it'll be okay. And you know, for, for, for those types of minds, they're like, no, it won't be okay. It's red on the paper. We're missing that money the same day. A guy walked in. He's like, I want to meet with you, Father. So I met with him. He's like, I really believe in what you're doing in the school, and I just want to give you this. He slides me an envelope, open it up, $50,000. No. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, and it, it was that way, like the whole, like we just barely make it, you know, but we make it. And I think that that's how the Lord, he constantly has just given us enough to keep making those steps in faith. I mean, we didn't have a math teacher. So I go in the chapel. I'm like, Lord, we need a math teacher. Like that's literally my prayer. Like I don't know. I, like I don't have like, I don't know where I'm laying face face down on rock, you know, with nails in my sides, you know, as I'm praying. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, like I just go in. I'm like, Lord, I, I, need a math teacher. I don't know what to do. Like I can, I can go look for one. But usually when I try to do stuff, it doesn't work out. Well, like two days later, I get a call and say, says, like, Hey, I heard you guys need a math teacher. T- Turbo Catholic. Like everybody on my staff is practicing Catholic, like loves their faith. That's unheard of. I have 28 people on my staff. They're all practicing Catholic. And so she and then she's like, Yeah, you know, I interview her and she's like, Great. She's like, but I only want part-time. And I'm like, well, I need full-time. And she's like, oh. And we kind of just left it at that. So I'm like, go back to I'm like, full-time Lord, I need a full-time teacher, not, not part-time. So that like uh, three days later I get a call and it's an, it's a parent of one of our students and they want to take me out and have a drink and talk about next year. Cause she really wants to stay. And they kind of want her to move to this other private school. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really want her to stay. She really wants her to stay. And the mom is like, the only way she stays is if I come on board and she's a math teacher. And I'm like, well, then this is easy. We'll just hire you. And she's like, well, she's like, I only want part-time. And I'm like, wait a second. So I got like part-time, part-time, full-time. So I hire both of them. One of them can teach the AP classes because they're certified for it. And the other one can teach the dual credits because they're certified for it. Like, I, I mean, it's just not, it's weird. Like, yeah. then you just become kind of like, I don't know, you, you get a little used to it. I mean, you still, I still stink and I, I get in the way all the time. But like, that's what makes it a fun ride. Yeah. You know, that, that's what makes the spiritual, the, the spiritual journey, this wild thing. It's just reckless abandonment. And then standing on the edge of a cliff like i'm just gonna fall and you're gonna catch like i just <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's kind of weird. Uh,
0: no no it's funny my mom uh both our moms i mean are fantastic and uh m- my nephew like uh, a couple months <laughs> ago uh he like couldn't go number two on the toilet like he just couldn't <laughs> do it and my mom's like okay our rosary intentions, we're going to start praying for this. Because, like, he's getting a little <laughs> old. Like, we need to start praying for this. No joke, a week later, like, my, my oldest brother called, he's like, Mom, you'll never get Like, Michael went on the toilet. And it's like, hey, like, we we started praying Dude. for him. And it's like, <laughs> God, God wants to answer those specific prayers. Because that's, I feel like that's how he knows. Like, we know that he had to play a role in this. Like, that's the only right. answer. You
1: know? Yeah, no, I, and, and he doesn't he doesn't put any, like, you know, limits on what to pray for and what not to pray for, He's like, ask. I'm your father. You know, and like, and then but the 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 trick is is that we have to like really believe that if we're if we say, you know, this, 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 and it doesn't an, you know, it doesn't get answered, that it's actually better if it's not answered at this point. And that we have to trust that too. So it's fun to talk about all these, you know, crazy things. That, there's also a boatload of things that have happened where I'm just like, all right. I mean, it's your school, it's not mine. I think it was, it was Pope John the 23rd. The, they said every night he'd kneel down at his bedside and he's like, what do he say? He's like, uh, Lord, I did the best I could. It's your church. You do the rest. <laughs> Great prayer. You know, yeah. it's not like, I mean, as the Pope, otherwise as the Pope, you just feel, I mean, you'd feel the weight of like the whole world. Mm-hmm. And even Benedict said that, you know, like when he, when he uh, took his, when he took office, he's like, I, how can I possibly do what's asked of me? Mm. And then, you know, he kind of say, you know, this, this, and this. And he says, the answer is, I don't have to, because this is God, this is Jesus' church, not mine. I just have to be a faithful steward of the mysteries and I have to stay close to him and he'll do everything else. Yeah. Now, don't quote me on that. That's a big paraphrase. I'm something that Benedict said a whole heck of a lot better, I guarantee you but that's essentially what he would say.
0: No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, I know, I we're getting down to the wire here. I did want to ask you about one thing that this might be a father Walt's original. You said you don't have many originals. I've only heard this from you, but you've talked about like, you don't see what I see. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about that to people maybe haven't heard. I mean, it was a really cool concept you talked about, but also kind of sad, but yeah. I don't know if you could talk about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's better in my talks because I get really animated about it and I get really like pissed off. Cause I'm usually talking to like high school kids or college kids, you know, and I'm sitting there and just basically, I'm like, you know, you don't, you don't see what I see. Like what you see is you see, you know, people having fun and, and and texting funny, you know, jokes about somebody that's making fun of them. That's what you see. You see the surface of it. You don't see what I see. You don't see the guy sitting in my office, the one that you were texting about the one that you were making fun of, you were bullying in my office, crying his eyes out because he wants to kill himself. Because everybody at the school is making fun of them. You don't see that. I see that, and I keep going. and I keep going. I'm like, and you, I was like, you don't. Wh- what do you see? What do you you see in the media? You see everybody going out and drinking and partying and having sex. Like sex is just this throwaway thing. That's what you see, and so you just follow suit. You don't see what I see. You don't. You don't see somebody sitting in my office that has been so used. A young woman has been so used that she she feels like she has no dignity whatsoever. You don't see that you don't see her crying you don't have to deal with that i have to deal with that and you know kind of the the biggest one i get up to is i say you know you don't see what you see is the culture of death you see you know the the left talking about women's choice and women's rights which is bizarre to me because apparently they can't define a woman until it's a woman's choice right then all of a sudden it's women's rights women's rights but you don't you know what you see is all that and and it's you're free to choose what you don't see is a woman who is possessed by the devil because she was forced into a sexual act and then forced to have an abortion. You don't see that. You don't don't see this woman who is now in her 60s, who's been dealing with it her whole life, and was was so deep into sin that she completely gave herself over to the devil. You don't see that. You don't see five grown men trying to hold a woman who weighs 110 pounds down on the ground and watch her throw a man across the room. You don't see that. You don't see what I see. I'm front row. You guys are far off in the distance. You don't see, you know, what was the other? Oh, the other one, as I said, you don't see a young woman, right? She sent a picture of herself to her boyfriend. Because that's what everybody does now. Because that's the thing to do, right? Sexting is all, oh, that's all, that's great, that's fun. That's what you see. It's all funny games. You don't see that young woman on a hill overlooking the Bismarck, Missouri River. You don't see her as she holds a gun in her hand to her head, and I have to talk her down. You don't see that. What you see is all, oh, it's a big freaking joke. And there's a lot you don't see. You don't see people's bedsides. I do. I'm at, I'm at people dying all the time. You know what they say? They don't say, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted so much time going to church. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have wasted so much time helping so many people. What an idiot. I was a fool to be so charitable and generous. You don't see that. What you see is, Father, I wish I would have done more for others. Father, I wish I wouldn't have been so selfish. Father, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. Father, I wish I wouldn't have treated my wife so poorly. Father, I wish I had done better with my kids. You don't see that. I see that. So, Yeah, that is my original, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it is very sobering. and and this is a podcast for college students, I mean, mainly. Well, ma- most of our listeners are Michael's family, so that's that's pretty cool. But we <laughs> we're going we're, we're, we're to come up. We're going to be can hopefully up there with Father Mike Schmidt soon. So, uh you got to start yeah.
1: somewhere, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, college students like it's it's really hard to I mean, we go to Miami. I just graduated, so Uh, but I mean, it's known as being one of the top party schools, not like the top party school in the nation. And like, you know, you go and you see it and these people look like they're having fun. And it's like, yeah, like, and a lot of my great friends, like they're, they're in this and, and I've, you know, we've all been there and it's like, well, but like, when does it end? You know, when does it end? And I think you see a lot of the time, like when it ends and, and it's not
1: always the best, the best events. No, it's a, it's a crash and burn almost. 10 times out of 10, you know, I, and I, I got nothing like, it's good for people to know too. Like, I remember this guy, his name is Chris Padgett. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's he kind of was on the Catholic speaking circuit. We brought him out to the high school and he was, I think he was Lutheran before some, some Protestant denomination. I'm like, why would you become Catholic? And he's like, so I could drink and smoke <laughs> because he's like, the, you know, his point was like the Catholic church sees all things are good in moderation. So like, yeah, go out and have some drinks and and hang out and have a good time. But like, how far does that have to go? That's the problem. Like, and that's what sin does. Sin just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, you know, and, and it does it all in the name of fun, you know, and at first it is fun. You know, Thomas Aquinas said people wouldn't do sin unless they got something from it. So they're, they're, they're having fun, but the fun is so superficial and so shallow and so short lasting that it needs another hit and another hit and another hit. And then all of a sudden it gets out of control <clears throat> and people are, you know, 40 years old and they're like, what happened? You know, like people sit in my office, like at 40 years old, like what happened to my life? And I'm like, I'll tell you what happened. You chose it, you chose it, you chose all of this stuff. Don't don't sit back and have this pity party of like, God hates me and dealt me this crappy hand because you made the decisions. And, and I think that that's what, <clears throat> yeah i mean the people just don't see the the end game of, of sin they see the beginning of it and it's very enticing i mean the devil they, they paul says he appears as an angel of light very enticing yeah but it's what's behind him that people don't see and that's the long-term effects
0: yeah all the empty promises that's my that's exactly my part of the baptismal promises because right <laughs> like the yeah because it's like yeah they are <laughs> empty promises like all of them. Um, and then I guess uh last I question for you. I know you were the vocations director for a while in Bismarck and you probably worked with a lot of college aged uh guys. I was wondering if you had any advice for like what's the best advice you could give to young guys and girls, uh just for uh maybe not even fostering vocation the priesthood, but just like uh preparing ourselves for our future vocation, whatever that may be.
1: Well, I mean the primary vocation, right, is the holiness. <clears throat> so if you want to find out what God wants you to do, you first got to live the life of holiness or at least try. I mean, we, we think at it, me being top on the list, but like you got to try and and in the midst of living that primary vocation of holiness, the secondary vocation of married life or priesthood or religious life or single life or whatever is going to be shown to you in that. I mean, for me, it was this simple. Like I, have, I mean, I, I tell a lot of stories and people are like, man, you must have like the profound prayer life. and I really don't like, it's really simple. Even when I was, you know, I had this, this priest, Father Austin Vetter, who's now Bishop Austin Vetter in Helena. So Father Stu, his diocese, mm-hmm. that's where uh, Austin is now. And he was, he was my chaplain in high school. And I was just like, how do I, because I was kind of coming around having a conversion. I'm like, how do I know what God wants me to do? And he's like, every night before you go to bed, you just say three Hail Marys and you say, Jesus, I give you permission to show me what my vocation is in life. I did that for, like, two, three years, and uh, I joined seminary, like, and I really credit that, like, I mean, just, just even opening the door just a little bit like that, but there is, there does come a point, you know, like, I had crazy signs that God wanted me to, to, to do it, and, and I just, I remember talking to this, this priest, and name was Father Paul Dukesher, he's still priest out in the Fargo Diocese, because I was in North Dakota State, go Bison! <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. National Championships again, so, Anyway, but when I was out there, I went to the Newman Center, and like that guy really saved my life. And he he was so patient with me. And I remember at one point I was like, "He's like, why don't you just join? <laughs> what do you got to lose?" He's like, "It's not like you're signing up to be a priest." He's like, "You got years to discern." And I'm like, "Father," I was like, "If I could just get one more sign, I think I would go." And he's like, "No, no, you don't need any more signs." He's like, "What you need, you need faith to believe the signs that have already been given." And then you need to step out in faith and make a decision. And that was like golden advice. So much. I just, just fear was driving my life. And I think the younger generation, I'm, I'm Gen X. So like millennials, you guys would be millennials, right? I think we're <clears> years. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I, there's, there's this terrible fear of commitment. And I think that there's a fear of commitment in these generations because they've seen so many marriages fail. Uh, they've seen the priesthood fail catastrophically with the scandals. They've seen religious life fail, right? I mean, as the nuns took off the habits, their numbers just went out the window. They lost their charism of being brides of Christ and just started, you know, baking donuts on Sunday. And that was their new charism. And it was sad. And like, nobody wants to give their life to that. Like, I don't know a young woman on the planet that wants to give their life to go bake with old ladies. Like they can do that as a grandma, you know, like what they want is radical trust and and being a bride of Christ and 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 even for priests, you know, same thing. And so they've seen all this failure and they're terrified to commit because they're like, what if I fail, you know, and you can't live there. You can't, you can't let other people's, you know, screw ups decide your life. You know, I here's another original. I think I may have had this too. I don't know. But uh, I said, so long as you let your past control your present, you'll never have a future. So if any, all this stuff that's gone on in the past, be that in the church or in your own life, in your family, if that's dictating your present, you will never have a future. You will be stuck here because you're stuck in the past. And so we have to, yeah, those things that they happen and some of them were terrible. And, And some people, you know, the suffering that some people have gone through is, Unbelievable. But you have to make a choice. You can either be defined by that or you can sit and say, That doesn't define me. Christ defines me. And I'm going to live as his beloved son or his beloved daughter. I'm not living there because I know what it's like to live there. It's just a dark, desolate place with no hope. And that's not who I am. That's not what I was created for.
0: I like that you keep bringing it back to choices because I think when we live in fear, it's (laughs) like, it's like out there thing that's going to like, really impact my life and then when you bring it back to like no I can choose to step in this it really like helps I I I think our generation especially to be like (laughs) no I I can take control here I can do these things so
1: right yeah Yeah, for sure
0: um well yeah Sam I don't know if you have any more questions or thoughts but uh yeah this has been this has been fantastic and uh I know you got your your event with your brother tonight so I don't
1: want to keep you I'm pumped (laughs)
0: yeah would you mind actually closing us in a prayer Father
1: yeah absolutely father son holy spirit amen Jesus we we thank you for this time we thank you for the gift of the faith that you have given to us we hope lord that we can give it to others as freely we have received freely we are to give and may anybody who hears this uh, podcast may they be touched to the heart lord may you touch their hearts and help them to know your particular love for them and that all these stories that they hear are not just things that can never happen. They're real. And they can happen to any of us if we trust in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome.
0: and at the end of our episodes, we we say sheepdogs out. So will you say it with us on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Sheep dogs out. Sheep
1: dogs out. <laughs> Thanks, Father. Amen. Just do it.